welcome to Gender Forking After Dark. <laughs> is it dark there? Mm. No. Is it dark there? <laughs> no. It's dark here. It's dark here. Yeah. It's been um, dark here for an hour and a half. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. Today we'll be talking about Midnight Suns chapters 15 and 16, which are probability and the knot. I'm Lori. I'm Sam. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Today's to a the special edition of Gender Forking because we are recording later than usual. <laughs> <laughs> so special. It is Which approximately three hours later than usual. <laughs> yeah. It means it's 5.30 p.m. after mm, hours. It is 8.30 on the East Coast, and I'm going to go to bed when we finish. It was really interesting in this section to see Bella get a peaceful night of sleep. I'm always mm. chasing that sweet, sweet, peaceful Bella sleep. Yes, and so is Edward. Yeah. Um, and he's there, to, he's there to make sure every time, so it's good that we know <sighs> for sure. <laughs> I, like, I hate that. Me too. Another section of chapters has passed where Edward does not tell Bella that he's been watching her sleep. Yeah, we're almost there, though. It's maybe going to be next time or the time after that. Yeah, I hope so. I feel like next time is going to be really eventful. Yes. This is the last time that he does it non-consensually. Yes. As far as we we are aware. (laughs) We might be surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love chapter 15. Chapter 15 is lovely. This is one of the best chapters of the book, and I think this is probably my favorite new chapter. I know we haven't been in the new section for very long, but this is like my favorite new section that we've had so far. Yeah, this is a contender for my top chapter. Like, this is a really good yeah. one. And it really starts out with a bang. Yes! It starts out with Edward accusing Alice of being wrong about what she mm. sees in the future, which is Extremely bold. bold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> extremely bold a choice i feel like even with my limited understanding of the workings of time i would just just assume that someone who can see the future would be right yeah it's like he's extremely bothered by the reality of the future that alice is seeing that's why they leave school early and then go drop off bella's truck and then go on this little hunting expedition it's still very unclear like what is going on and we won't know until the next section because we know that Alice has had this vision, but she had the vision a while ago, but it's still happening. She's, she can still see this future where yeah. Edward kills Bella when they're in the meadow, which is the source of the franticness. The meadow, yeah, the meadow is what makes Alice talk to Edward about it right now. Mm-hmm. Because he she's connecting the dots between his immediate future and this vision that she's had for a little while and seeing that those are one and the same. And she also walks through other options for the future which seem in her mind like they're still possibilities but this one is obviously really scary and so it seems like it's occupying a lot of their brain space is like trying to prevent this from happening the other alternatives are really interesting so we understand that like the thing that alice is seeing is bella dead in the meadow edward Mm -hmm. has killed her what we don't know is like what the moment is to like make that happen and so we're not going to know what that is until next time would you like to make a guess because i feel like i have a guess yeah i feel like i remember in twilight because we just Mm -hmm. read it that they get a little too close to kissing and he like yeah throws himself back he runs away yeah and like really like 
jumps back and is really upset. And I want to say that that is probably the moment where he could have, like, given into that and, like, yeah. kissed her. I, it's gotta be. But then... Is it the kissing? He decided not to? Because I can't really think of anything else. It's, like, the moment when he reveals himself in the sunshine is not, like, a high-risk moment. Like, yeah. Like, they're not that close to each other. He, yeah. like, even, like, puts up a hand to, like, warn her to, like, not approach. So, like, I don't think it would be that. So yeah. I think it has to be that kiss. I think it has to be that, too, because she's... Bella's kind of leaning in. And then after that, Bella learns that, like, she needs to be more cautious of like how close she is to edward and like giving him time and space to to like be cautious yeah which like i think arguably this could have been avoided and this is speculation of course we don't know if this is what's happening but it feels like it could have been avoided if edward was open about like how difficult it was for him yeah and it's like he's trying to scare her anyway so i don't know why he wouldn't just be like you have to be really careful around me and like you need to wait for me to signal that I'm okay with making this move because it's really challenging for me or whatever. But he doesn't seem to, like, explicitly say that. He just says these, like, really coded things that are like, I'm dangerous for you. And it's like, that's not helpful. That doesn't give her any tools to, like... Like, it just just causes miscommunications between them, which we end up seeing in, like, chapter 16, where she thinks she's doing the right thing and he thinks that she's doing something incredibly reckless. And it's like, well, you didn't prepare her to make these decisions. Yeah at all i think it has to be that moment i'd be really surprised if it was actually a different moment it's very dramatic i'm curious to see how the drama of this translates into the drama of that moment because in twilight we don't really understand it to be like a huge uh altering life or death moment i mean we definitely understand that it's significant but we don't think of it as like faded as like a predestined moment (laughs) that forever alters the future it is fascinating that Bella has none of this information. Like, none of this context. Me reading this, I wrote down, like, this really explains why Edward is such a bitch at the beginning of this, like, next chapter. Yeah. He it explains that he's moody and distracted and like feels like there's such high stakes and and it really like explains away his mood. It doesn't seem like a mood swing so much as it does in Twilight. Like it just really feels like it's warranted here and like now I kind of get it but it's also like what is Bella supposed to think because you're not giving her the information she never gets that, this like, information yeah. never. not in the way yeah. that, not in the to the extent that she really does need it and this is something that I wrote down for the next chapter actually but it feels relevant now knowing what we do about Carlisle from chapter 15 in chapter 16 Edward is like he says he's not angry at her but like he is kind of angry at her <laughs> for her having the exact same faith in him that Carlisle always had from the very beginning. Yeah. And, yeah. And with even less information which is only Edward's fault. <laughs> right. So I don't understand why that bitterness isn't there for Carlisle. It's almost like he's dismissive of it because Bella is like a younger girl because it's like in Carlisle this faith is something to be like admired but in Bella it's like well she's silly like she doesn't know what's good for her yeah Yeah. it's like naive of her it's like he won't take her faith seriously as like a sign of like their relationship or like her willingness to be like in something that's dangerous or like Mm -hmm. something that's risky 
and instead is like well she must not be in like the right frame of mind or she like she's stupid for thinking this or like she's crazy for thinking this which he says (laughs) multiple times yeah it's a lot i guess back to the beginning of this chapter i really enjoyed these insights into how alice's visions work we kind of like have it visualized for us here in several different ways which is fun what stood out to me a lot about this section in general are the implications for new moon absolutely alice is like seeing this as like an alternative future but it's Mm -hmm. like i feel like most of the visions that she talks about in this section are not alternative futures they're just different points along their path because Mm. this glimpse at edward leaving and trying to stay away from bella and bella being like this hollow shell he like dismisses and is like i would never be strong enough to do that but like Mm -hmm. he does do it and then this future where bella is a vampire and like like hugging alice like we know that happens as well the only things that don't happen i guess are like bella being killed in the meadow but i know i said earlier when we first came across this vision that it seems like that could just be like a childbirth scene of bella dead yeah she is going to die and edward is going to be there and covered in her blood so like that version of the future does also exist and i guess technically like it is something that edward was kind of responsible for like yeah and so that's a version of the future (laughs) i guess the only other version of the future is this more optimistic one or like i guess more optimistic but like the the one that edward really wants to happen doesn't happen which is the the version of the future where Bella gets older and Edward just like waits it out but all the rest of them happen it's just a matter of like when you know when we were reading life and death and like towards the end when she you know spoiler alert changed a bunch of stuff and (laughs) there were there were like these like snarky little comments about like things that happen in the saga where they were like well that would be stupid (laughs) yes yeah well it would be stupid if you waited for a whole other year and then what would we do <laughs> get married and then and then yeah. turn you into a vampire <laughs> like and i was like are we a joke to you stephanie are we a yeah. joke to you <laughs> what have i been doing all these years yeah. um i totally <laughs> felt like that same energy was present here and like in midnight sun um first of all my favorite bit was it's like the second page of the chapter where alice is looking into the future and she's seeing like what would happen if edward left and she's like well you have to take into response into account like bella's feelings like she's gonna she ha- she makes choices too and i really liked this passage her mind raced through a flip book of futures bella's face from a thousand different angles always tinted gray sunless she was thinner unfamiliar hollows beneath her cheekbones deep circles under her eyes her expression empty one could call it lifeless but it would only be a metaphor not like the other visions i could hear a possibility play i know <laughs> I was like this is literally the possibility depression chair sequence <laughs> but it's called probability instead Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, like, sections from this chunk of the book is on 309. Edward is, like, yelling at Alice, like, not to discount how intense this conversation is. It's not just, like, a brief, like, little tour through the future. It's, like, he is screaming at her, show me another way. And he is shown this image of Alice and Bella with their arms around each other, marble white and diamond hard. And then he says, <laughs> or he doesn't say, but he thinks... One too many pomegranate seeds, and she was bound to the underworld with me. No way Mm. back. Springtime, sunlight, family, future, soul, all stolen Mm. from her. And it's like, well, unfortunately, family was not stolen from her. (laughs) 
<laughs> though we wish it was. <laughs> oh, big sip. <sighs> I feel weird about this implication that if Edward had left earlier on, he would have been destined to come back to hunt her. Yeah. Like, what? What? Was he really so different, like, two weeks ago? It's also like he's he's so convinced that he's not going to be strong enough to leave in the first place. And I think maybe yeah. what changes, changes it for him is when he sees Bella and thinks she's, like, going to die, you know? Like, when he has that brush with, like, Bella in the ballet studio and he's like, oh, shit this isn't good. Like, I feel like that's the moment where it might change for him, both in being able to leave, but also being able to not come back and kill her. But I think she's talking about, like, way earlier on, like, if he had, like, stayed away when he went to Alaska or something, like, before the car crash, Mm. basically, like, before he, like, ever got attached to Bella and even more than, like, a mild curiosity. (laughs) But still, I'm like, you would have come back to kill her? Like, what is... No. (laughs) Just don't kill people, Edward. That would that just like defeats the purpose of him going away. Like the reason he went away is to like be morally sound. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Fun, fun murder stuff. We get it. You can kill. This is like a really dark section. It is, yeah. <laughs> and then Edward immediately like starts launching into thinking of how he could kill himself yes. as like another option, which is fascinating because I wouldn't have assumed that it would. That that would play into his mind here. Like, obviously, yeah. he's thinking about it post-ballet studio, post, like, James and Victoria drama. But it's wild that the first time he thinks of killing himself is in this moment. Right. Before the Meadows scene. <laughs> yeah. This was the other moment where it's, like, a callback to New Moon, where Stephanie was like, haha, isn't that ridiculous? Where he is, like, thinking... If he went to the Volturi now, it would put Bella in danger because he would expose that, like, a human knows about vampires. And he said it would um, bring her the wrong kind of attention unless I did something stupid, like go to Italy. And it's like, yes, that was very stupid of you. It was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because the way that he walks through this, he has, like, four options. He's like, I could do it myself, but it's impossible. Right. I could try to get my family to do it, but they refuse to. Even Rosalie doesn't hate me that much. She loves me. Like, okay, <laughs> Which is sure. Like, I feel like perhaps Rosalie might do it if you pushed her hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> she could get there, I'm sure. She could get there. Yeah. And then his third option is the Volturi, which we talked about. His fourth option, yeah. kind of, is he's thinking like, oh, it's a shame that I couldn't just walk onto the Quileute land and have I them know. kill me because that like would have worked a few, up to a few years ago when... They stopped being werewolves. And I'm like, buddy, I have news. <laughs> Got some <laughs> it news will for you. quickly become an option. And it's, yeah. it is it is kind of like a call to, like, it nods to Breaking Dawn because isn't that the agreement that he and Jacob have? Is that yeah. if Bella doesn't survive the pregnancy, Jacob's going to kill Edward. Yeah, which is so gnarly. I'm, I can't believe Why? that we're going to have to read Breaking Dawn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's a problem for future us. I know. We're going to get there. We're going to be like, why did we ever start this podcast? (laughs) Damning ourselves to reading Breaking Dawn. Anyway, I guess like it starts getting better when Edward's like, you know what? Maybe I can do it. And Alice is like, your probability is improving. And it's like, yeah, maybe if we we just like fucking believe in ourselves for one second. And like believe (laughs) in believe in our self-control believe that like if you don't want to kill Bella you really don't fucking have to it really can be that simple 
we can prepare for this in a calm and rational manner. We can. And then he We're kills a mountain to, lion. We can. <laughs> he does kill a mountain lion. Uh, they go hunting. He His insides feel liquefied again, mm-hmm. um, yep. which is fun. Maybe he has IBS, like me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, the representation in this book is just spot Thank on. Thank you, Stephanie Meyer. It would make sense because he's so anxious, like him to have a digestive disorder <laughs> <laughs> he would literally be shitting out pure blood he's got the vampire shits <laughs> oh i'm canceled it's just like truly like what point is there other than like sexual for them to even have an asshole at that point <laughs> you know it should get closed up you could no literally like they could sew up their urethras yeah <laughs> JJ's making a big commotion about that. <laughs> it's deeply unsettled by that concept. <laughs> oh. They probably can't because there's no like needle tough enough. Oh my god, you're right. It's a fun topic. Yep. <laughs> yeah, if their body's meant to be perfect, then why don't they just have no organs at all? Yeah, like what's the point of having them? They should go away. They should turn into dust or something i don't know (laughs) uh (laughs) it's interesting because on 314 alice catches a glimpse of bella visiting the cullens as soon as sunday and there's a truly (laughs) cursed mention of half of the outfit that she wears to meet the cullens where edward is like delighted that she's uh wearing this blue shirt that he loves so much and Mm -hmm. i'd like to just say and we will and can talk about it more when we get to that outfit. Maybe the reason why he doesn't notice the horrific mm-hmm. khaki skirt, and please mm-hmm. stop trying to convince me at everyone mm-hmm. that it is anything other than awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe the reason why he doesn't notice it is because he's not an ass man. I think he's so distracted by the blue blouse that he loves so much that he won't even notice the khaki skirt. But he hardly ever mentions anything below her waist. You know what I mean? He'll mention the pants she's wearing, but he's he's not like the the denim jeans right. fit her so well and the contour hugged her, legs. her curves. Yeah, and it's like he's just he's he likes titties. If that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be um very uh, what's the word unchrist like of him to fo- <laughs> fixate on anything below her waist. Yeah, I guess like boobs have a maternal purpose and like ass is just there (laughs) i love gender forking after dark (laughs) gender forking after dark is only sexual content yeah you know what's funny now that i mention that with the episode that came out this week i believe i haven't been listening to them Mm -hmm. because i've been super busy and sometimes I'll wake up to texts from people that listen to it. Mm-hmm. And this week, one day, I woke up to a text from Alexis and a text from Helen about demisexuality. And I was like, this cannot be a coincidence. Like, it can't <laughs> be a coincidence that they are both texting me about yeah. this. And so finally, <laughs> I made it through the conversation with Alexis enough that I could uncover that she was talking about Twilight. 
Yeah. Because it was just, like, a general text or, like, comment or something like that. Yeah. And that's really rewarding. When I wake up and mm-hmm. I have to draw the lines mm-hmm. that I've said something. Yeah. <laughs> we said something... Maybe maybe it was you. One of us. I think it was... I can't even remember. One of us said something ridiculous about Stephanie Meyer inventing demisexuality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, she invented demisexuality. She also invented, apparently, like, fashion. Yeah. It seems like. I think so. There's uh, a total fashion reset. Yeah, Edward Cullen, he's a he's a boo man. Yeah, write in and tell us. Uh tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a boo man or not? No. Uh. I was gonna say classify the other Cullens. <laughs> but <laughs> But I guess you could include your personal preferences. Well. Um, write in with all of your fetishes. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll kink shame you. I think Edward is like a skin man. Edward's really into skin. I mean, I think he's a skin man because he's a he's by design a blood a blood boy. Yes, and like a the skin boy. is so thin for him, like it's so translucent and thin, like to him, mm-hmm. that it's like just the 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 skin is the window to the blood, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> like the eyes and the soul. <laughs> I thought it. I regretted it. <laughs> wow. Gender forking after dark. This is great. This is great. Yeah. I'm drinking like nighttime tea. I feel like I'm drinking wine, but it is in fact lavender tea. Same. I'm drinking yeah. water. <laughs> I feel like I've been drinking for an hour and a half. Well, it's that beer that I had on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> It carried me through to this moment. <laughs> I didn't even finish it. <laughs> oh dear lord. Anyway, moving through this section. <laughs> I just need to I just need I need to jump forward a couple pages. Edward gets home, okay. they all leave him alone. I cannot believe. Uh-huh. I cannot believe that Stephanie Meyer mm-hmm. chose to rub this in our faces even more. She decided that the white button-down sleeveless shirt was so pivotal to this Mm -hmm. story that she decided to write like what felt like 15 pages about it (laughs) um and she also that the quote that was shared before the book came out about alice being omniscient is about the shirt yeah (laughs) of all things it's about the horrendous shirt because she buys it two years in advance of this meadow scene because she has a feeling it's not, not really a, clear. Yeah. It doesn't, it's like, like not a future say, psychic feeling. Yeah. It's just like uh, Edward's going to need this shirt and refuses to let him throw it away. And Edward like reads her mind and she's not hiding anything from him. So it's not as if she's seen a, glam- a glimpse of him wearing this shirt. It's just like she knows he needs it. And I'm like, this is this is so weird. It's so weird. Because <laughs> he so doesn't weird. He doesn't need it. Like he could wear he really could wear anything. The idea and I get it, Stephanie, I get that the idea is that he wants to expose himself in the sunlight to Bella yeah. and he wants to do it right, so he needs to expose Ugh. all of his arms and like unbutton his he shirt. D- but like <laughs> he doesn't though. <laughs> he doesn't need to do those things. He could wear a regular he, his t-shirt. His arms don't need to be out. He could unbutton anything. Like he yeah, could take yeah, his he shirt could wear off. a t shirt. He could wear take his shirt off. He could unbutton a shirt and like 
huh, like Superman yeah. exposed like yeah. his chest, and it's like <laughs> such a choice to instead I would rather him go nude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. What if what if he went nude and the entire ride there in the truck was just sitting nude, angry, <laughs> angry. <laughs> yelling at Bella. He's wearing a bathrobe. She's just nervously driving. Yeah, he's wearing either a bathrobe or a trench coat. A silk bathrobe. (laughs) She's just laughing. I mean, for all. Oh, he's sneezing. (laughs) (laughs) For all we know, like he could be wearing something like that because the way that he feels scandalized by showing this amount of skin is akin to him wearing a bathrobe or less. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He. Feels naked, I think. Edward has a little flashback moment that we should jump to. Let's see if we start crying during the podcast. Yeah. Now that he's dressed slutty for Bella, um, he starts thinking. He also showered, which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This flashback is actually the whole reason that I'm alive. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is the only reason to be alive. This cured, <laughs> like, my de- this cured my depression, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I it read was it out December loud. December 1919. Oh my god. I read it out loud to JJ in the car and I started yeah. tearing up and he was like, Are you okay? It's <laughs> like, No, I'm simply not. This is so touching. It's so touching. I did cry both times reading it and I teared up while thinking about it during the week. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting it. It was so unexpected. This is like exactly yeah. the kind of like insight flashback touching stuff that i was hoping we would get in midnight sun it's coming like right in the middle of the book and it's like this feels like such a pivotal moment and he's using it to paint this picture and set the stage for what's about to happen and it's so great i loved it i loved it so they're in saint john new brunswick which Mm -hmm. is interesting it's the second time in these few chapters these past few chapters where stephanie has mentioned a maritime province of canada Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is an interesting choice. We love it. Like you said, 1919, December. Edward has been mm. a vampire for approximately a year. A little more. He's testing himself. So he's like trying to get closer and closer to humans and like test his like self-control. And that's like kind of the purpose yeah. behind this trip is to stay amongst humans. I found it really interesting how he mentions that he had to grow accustomed to human faces. Like... All of, like all of a sudden turning into a vampire like you don't you like humans look different and he describes them as like really kind of gross honestly yeah <laughs> um which i found interesting he says human faces were so completely different from ours their dull pitted skin their poorly molded features so rounded and lumpy their modeled the <laughs> the mottled colors of their imperfect flesh <laughs> the clouded my body just eyes it's quite yeah <laughs> And it's like, well, now he thinks Bella's hot, so he's come a long <laughs> Huge way. Huge progress. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, interesting because I, I think about the implications for, like, what that means for other vampires who intentionally or non-intentionally, I guess, don't spend time around humans. Like, people that live a nomadic lifestyle and, like, just, like, don't spend a lot of time around humans. I'm like, does that mean that, like, when they do encounter humans, they're like, oh, yeah. it's a monster. <laughs> Honestly, there's a lot of talk of fluids in this general section of the book. 
in the last section, Edward mentioned Bella's finger oils and like being able to smell her finger oils on her car keys, which I was like, okay, um, all right. And in this section, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Um, later he talks about like smelling human sweat. Wow. The, the bodily fluids are in, in Twilight in general, bodily fluids are like so pertinent. Um, there's, there's a lot, there's like a lot of queer theory about bodily fluids. (laughs) That's true. Carlisle is like very, has a lot of faith in Edward here. Seems like he really raised Edward cautiously and, like, had a really... Probably had this plan in place, like, before he ever turned Edward into a vampire. Like, knew exactly what he was going to do to try to accustom Edward into this new lifestyle. And that included, like, Mm -hmm. keeping him completely isolated from everyone, all humans and all vampires for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Always having that backup plan, escape route, and, like, knowing how to, I guess, cover your tracks isn't... It's not as hard to do in 1920, but how to wrap up loose ends and move quickly, I assume, is part of that plan. It's very, it's very sweet. It's such a sweet story. Like, the idea of, like, Edward being like, oh, I went for a walk all by myself. Yeah. (laughs) So, So yeah, Carlisle sends Edward off on a walk and is like, this is your first solo walk. And Edward's, like, taking it so seriously. So seriously. He's like, I'm just going to go on this walk. I'm going to come home and I'm going to make dad proud and just, like, really knock it out of the park. And then he comes home and it turns out Carlisle has, like, pushed everything in 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 the room that they're staying in up against the walls and brought in a tree that he presumably chopped and or uprooted himself. Yeah, with his hands. Yeah. With his hands. And brought it into this place that they're staying and gotten popcorn to trim the tree. They're, like, decorating the tree together. And it's, like, a Christmas surprise when Edward comes back from his big little, like, walk. Yeah. The way. I did cry. Like, if you cry every time. (laughs) The way I cried. Yeah. (laughs) I was so not expecting it. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was just going to be, like, more of Edward talking about, like, I don't know. I thought this section, this flashback, I didn't expect this out of it. I expected it to be something more like, I don't know, just like, and here's when I fucked up the first time. And here's when I, like, right. came super it's close so sweet, to killing like, someone. Carlisle planned the surprise, and he had to do it without ever thinking about it around Edward. Yeah, which like, is huge. You have to, su- you, it's so hard to surprise Edward. Yeah. <laughs> you have to work real hard. <laughs> It's so sweet. I was it's like, so oh my god. And then he comes in and he says, Merry Christmas, Edward. Like, I believe in Christmas. <laughs> Suddenly I am wearing Christmas pajamas and Christian. watching Love Actually on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the reason for Mentally, the season, but it's just Carlisle <laughs> uprooting a tree and giving it to Edward. Keep the Carlisle oh. in Christmas. I mean, it's very sweet, but also Edward comments that like, he finds it kind of juvenile and he, and he doesn't really <laughs> care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's acknowledging that it's thoughtful, but it's also like commenting on how like removed at the time, especially he felt from humanity where like he like he didn't necessarily miss humanity at the time, which is right. weird. This is definitely something that he developed probably after his like rebellious adolescent mm-hmm. phase. We've been pondering what which parts of his personality like came right through from being human and then which came like just from being a vampire (laughs) and i Mm -hmm. feel like his his brooding his like emoness is like actually just the product of immortality yeah i think that makes sense 
I don't love that for him, but interesting. I read it, like, on my little little lunch break on Monday. I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna just crack into break- or crack into- my god, Breaking Dawn. That would be torture. Crack into Midnight Sun on my lunch. Just do a little bit of reading. And then Mm -hmm. I have therapy right after lunch on Mondays. And I showed up to, to therapy with fresh tears in my eyes having just read this. She was like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm good. (laughs) I had a great two weeks. I'm doing really well. (laughs) However, Vampire Christmas. However, I have just read an emotional passage. You may be familiar with the Twilight Saga. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Next time I have a Christmas party, it's going to be themed after this precise moment. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just going to be a tree in the center of the room. All yeah, the furniture, furniture against up, the wall. And every time someone enters the house, you're going to say, Merry Christmas, Edward. Yeah. And hand them some popcorn. <laughs> yeah, some popcorn. That's the only food. Yeah, popcorn and no blood um, because he did not kill anyone. And we're going to bundle up. I, I picture Edward, he says he bundles up against the cold performatively, which is very cute. I imagine him having one of those, like, you know, caps. Yeah. You yeah. know, a timey, old timey cap and like a peacoat <laughs> scarves <laughs> so many scarves so many scarves too many i think he probably doesn't understand how cold it actually is so he overdresses mm-hmm. performatively yeah especially if there's like if there was snow on the ground i feel like people tend to think it's colder outside when they see snow <laughs> yeah we have to talk about shaban yeah, we do. I didn't actually look her up in the illustrated guide, and maybe we'll oh, save that yeah. for when we get to them. So Edward shifts gears here in his memory, which is the next night, the night the night after Christmas. Yes, his very first social encounter as a vampire, They, he and Carlisle happen to run into a couple of Carlisle's friends, who are Siobhan and Maggie, who we meet in Breaking Dawn. We're meeting them again here. It is such an interesting encounter. I, probably my... Uh, my least favorite line of the whole book arrived in this section. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Do you not recall? <laughs> no. Did I miss it? Did I, did I block it out? When he describes Siobhan as profoundly female in shape, aggressively forcefully female. <laughs> I don't remember reading that at all. Which means... <laughs> I probably read it and I was like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> you were high on Christmas. Oh, no. <laughs> I cannot with that. That is the most disgusting, ridiculous thing I've ever read. Oh, but we can get God. to that. Literally, like, he just means big boobs. <laughs> this reinforces everything I know about Edward. <laughs> like- okay. You know what? We got to talk about that. All right. I think that Edward is into Siobhan. Let's read this passage. Okay. Let's read this. Okay. At first, only one vampire emerged from the snow-dusted trees. She was the largest woman I had ever seen. Taller than either Carlyle or me, with broader shoulders and thicker limbs. However, there was nothing masculine about her. She was profoundly female in shape. Aggressively, forcefully female. It was clear she had... (laughs) had no intention of passing for a human tonight she wore only a simple sleeveless linen shift with an intricately designed silver chain as a belt it had been in another lifetime that i had noticed a woman this way and i found i was hard pressed to know where to put my eyes 
I centered them on her face, which, like her body, was intensely female. Her lips were full and curved, her deep crimson crimson eyes enormous and fringed by lashes thicker than the needles on the pine boughs. Her glossy black hair was piled into a generous roll on top of her head, with two thin wooden rods carelessly stabbed through to hold it in place. You're right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I may have just not read that. (laughs) I might have just like skipped it. (laughs) Maybe out of self-defense. He's so into her. Um... He does say, I found it a strange relief to look on another face so like Carlyle's, perfect smooth, lacking the fleshy lumpiness of human faces. The symmetry was soothing. If he had not been into her, he would have just said that, but the whole previous paragraph is like... You're so right. Yeah. 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 It was another lifetime where he had last noticed a woman this way, and he doesn't know where to put his eyes. Hello? Maybe her (laughs) eyes? Hello? Yeah. (laughs) Look at the fucking ground, okay? Incel. (laughs) (laughs) So a little about Siobhan from the Twilight Saga wiki. She was the only daughter of a blacksmith and his wife, which made her really unusual in her village because most families were very large. At the age of 14, she was taller than any other woman there and taller than all men except her father by 16. She was also stronger than a lot of them and helped her father at the forge. He died in an accident when she was 17 and she took over his business. So she's a small business owner. Uh, girl Ooh. boss. Yeah, um, <laughs> Women in business. This Woo. was <laughs> unheard of and <laughs> many people disapproved. <laughs> but she eventually won her people's approval and became an accepted part of village life. Her name spread to the surrounding areas as the big blacksmith girl. <laughs> <laughs> How original. This, however, repelled men from her, though she had no desire for a husband. Her creator is this guy named Sankar, and he searched for unusual women to add to his harem of vampires. Harem? Um, yes. Interesting word <laughs> he choice. He traveled throughout all of Europe with human servants looking for exceptional women, and heard of her beauty and strength and sought her out, excited to find a woman like none he'd seen before oh my goodness i didn't know about this <laughs> trigger warning <laughs> sexual violence <laughs> he abducted her in the middle oh. of the night raped her bit her uh. and took her back to his home while she experienced the painful transformation are you fucking kidding me right now and then oh my god i didn't know any of this hello i love her okay she was incredibly strong even for a newborn and had no love for sankar of course He tried to keep her distracted with ample amounts of blood, but before the end of her first year as a newborn, Siobhan killed him along with three of his most faithful Mm. servants. After that, she traveled alone and learned the vampire lifestyle before she returned to Ireland. During her travels, she learned about the Volturi, and that's what made her curious about extra vampire gifts, and she started her coven when she met Liam, and then later was joined by Maggie, who she turned because she believed that maggie would have a special gift and maggie Mm. is like a daughter to her wow i didn't know any of that so that's fun um wow just (laughs) stephanie meyer using sexual violence it's like all women vampires there's no reason for him to have done that no that also like it seems really interesting that that is a part of her story because like 
clearly other vampires have figured out how to have sex with humans because he he slept with her before he bit her yeah and it's like edward makes this huge deal about how presumably what the assumption is is that male vampires can't have sex with human women because they're particularly fragile without hurting them and he might have hurt her but like yeah yeah i mean my guess would be like if his intention was to change her then like that's true or even if it wasn't he probably just wouldn't be very concerned about like fucking up her body that's true which is not fun to think about uh (laughs) i'll repress that now (laughs) yeah (laughs) me gleefully reading the wiki page yeah (laughs) me reads one sentence oh no (laughs) not again (laughs) not another day where i can't get through the day without ingesting some form of media that has to do with sexual violence we almost made it well rip well okay the implication here is that she's really interested in like vampire talent and vampire gifts curating relationships based off of that yeah which is interesting it's like a little volturi like a mini volturi but without the power that's true (laughs) that's true hearing her very moving backstory i just (laughs) (laughs) i just don't agree with edward's one-dimensional understanding of her here where he ends up kind of saying that like maybe it's not even edward maybe it's just stephanie meyer writing it this way the point of this little encounter is that siobhan says to edward that human blood drinking human blood is the greatest joy of this life and edward struggles with that you know eventually leaves carlyle and esme to explore that and realizes that it's not what he wants and he kind of says something patronizing what did he say i came to the conclusion that siobhan might not know anything greater than the call of blood, but I had been born to something better. Yeah. It's like, I think she's endured a lot more than you have, and you can just yeah. leave her the fuck out of this. Leave her name like, out of your mouth. <laughs> Mr. Born in, more than 1918 thinks you yeah. know more than somebody born in 1490. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel Edward 2020. Yeah. Edward's been canceled for 15 years, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. People have already canceled Edward. We don't need to do that. <laughs> he was probably one of the first canceled. Yeah people ever um maybe not for the right reasons but i would like to cancel him for the right reasons now i think that he was canceled somewhat for some of the right reasons like Mm -hmm. i feel like the watching her sleep was huge yeah for sure (laughs) this is so layered this interaction is so layered i was like what the hell's going on here i think it's just edward becoming aware that like just becoming aware of other vampires and realizing that not everyone lives in the same way that he does yeah he has this like little section on page 328 that i would like to throw up as a contender for vampire therapy yes where he is really talking about how initially he was like mentally tabulating if he was keeping even the number of people that he killed that would have then been responsible for someone else's either death or great suffering and Mm -hmm. so like He's trying to, like, when he was having his little rebellion, he was trying to, like, keep it even. And so he was like, well, I killed someone, but they would have killed someone, so we'll keep it at a zero, because we'll keep it even. And then he talks about how, eventually, the weight of each kill seemed to accumulate until I was crippled under their combined load. And it's like, first, that's ableist language, but second, Mm -hmm. you need help. (laughs) Like, you can't just commit what you're calling murders. Like, I would argue that, like... It's fine because you're a vampire, but also you can't just come back from that and just like ignore it and try to like move on. And it's clear that he hasn't 
especially like through the later books when he talks to Bella about it and he is constantly putting himself down, calling himself a monster, calling himself a killer. This is the skin of a killer, Bella. Like, please, (laughs) (laughs) like, please, like, get some help. Like, you made what in the span of time is, is not as huge as you think it is. It's just this like tiny little blip, you know? Like, yeah, he needs to talk to somebody about it. It does answer one of my questions that I I was curious about, like, if uh, blood tinge with, like, drugs or something, like, what does that, is that taste like anything? And for Edward, it, he says it kind of does. Also on this page, he says that he studied medicine, but always from books and never at the hospital. Uh, that kind of yes. clarified some things for sure. It did. So we were kind of correct. And so were the people that wrote in and told us how medical school worked. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting in Bella's room. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. In his he's sitting in sh- shirt and sweater. Yeah. He's sitting in his outfit that he's going to wear the next day in the corner of the room. Charlie literally opens the door. <laughs> he literally comes in. <laughs> oh, is that the next chapter? I'm not sure. But he I don't know. I think it's the next chapter, the next page, yeah. But this all the while he's sitting in this corner and his phone starts vibrating and he says it vibrates silently and i was like no this is a phone from circa 2000 what five five six, yeah eight? it's loud as shit it's loud as shit it's so loud like phones from then we used to have like the vibration like patterns too so it would be like you know like it's not silent like you never used to not know when your phone was vibrating back then like it's a lot quieter now for those of you who didn't have phones back then old technology was incredibly loud when it Mm -hmm. was vibrating it was like it's just like the loudest thing like i feel like it's louder than the phone ringing sometimes so it's like really funny to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it kind of feels like a movie theater ad from like the beginning of of like cell phones being in movie theaters where it's like yeah, you're watching something that's like feels like it's a movie ad and it's just edward sitting in the 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 corner of bella's room the bedroom? and then suddenly it's like do 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 and then it's like silence your cell phones they ruin the movie for everyone else oh <laughs> uh, i bet alice would make him have a really obnoxious vibration pattern for his yeah for when uh I guess you couldn't, you, I guess you couldn't control, like, because now you can pick different ones for different people, but you couldn't do that back then. Yeah, back, but, back yeah. in the day. <laughs> but yeah, she texts him, or calls him, to say that he's becoming more decisive about not killing Bella in the meadow, which is great. Great for you. And the thought crosses his mind that she might be, she might be lying to give him that false confidence. Yeah, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> on like give her some more credit he says he couldn't trust the confidence in her voice and it's like do you not trust anyone does he not trust anyone because i don't think he does he doesn't need to he doesn't need to trust them yeah i guess yeah i guess bella is the first like relationship that he'll have to build on trust like yeah and not on his ability to gauge (laughs) like whether or not people are being truthful i guess hate that for him well hate it very very sweet very sweet end of the chapter he loves her he's greatest joy of his life wow love that for you edward yeah <laughs> fascinating forks cast today it is 60 degrees and cloudy in forks it's about 6 30 p.m in forks as we write this or as we say this as we write this. imagine if we wrote the podcast 
<laughs> scripted podcast. Um, this is all scripted. <laughs> My God. We pre-write the jokes. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be funny if we did. We're not funny enough to, to come up with stuff ahead of time. <laughs> no, it's all improv, baby. <laughs> the humidity is 87%, and there's like a really low chance of precipitation, though. But it's going to rain like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's fun for them. All right. Now all right. for a super, super short chapter. What is it? Like 10 pages? I don't know. It felt like five seconds reading time. Yeah. It's like nothing, basically. The knot. The knot. Yeah. He's still fucking watching her sleep. Um, yeah. He certainly is. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, this is where Charlie comes in. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie literally walks into her room and Edward's like, it's fine. He won't be able to see me. And I'm like, why would you chance that? He would literally never be able to recover. Like this, this story would be over, you know, like he could, he would never be able to be with Bella again. This is a huge risk he's taking. Like there's no excuse. He would be like, first of all, arrested immediately (laughs) because Charlie's a cop. But you know what? (laughs) I bet Bella would cover for him. I bet Bella would be like, oh yeah, I snuck Edward into my room. (laughs) And then he sat in the corner. He couldn't sleep. You're right. Bella would do that. That would be a really great thing for us to have as part of our Netflix special. And then she could be like doubly mad at him because he would get her in trouble for sneaking into her house. If Charlie Mm -hmm. found him there, she would cover for him and then get grounded. (laughs) That would be so funny. Oh, wow. Don't steal that. And then she would visit him in prison and be like, so you watch me sleep, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe I think that the um, the alternative that, you know, Edward cannot come up with like a, a safe option for Bella. He can't leave her. He can't kill himself. He can't be with her safely. He needs to be incarcerated. Stop. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but prisons are obsolete. Prisons are obsolete. But you know what? Just one special little prison for one special little vampire boy. That that is true. I'm surprised that there hasn't been I feel like in like a lot of sco- like really spooky shows like fuck, what am I thinking of? Jessica Jones? Yes. They try to yeah. like trap Kilgrave in that in like, that room where sensory... he doesn't have powers or whatever. Yeah, like that that tank mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially room. And, like, they have that as an option. I'm surprised Edward hasn't tried to, like, lock himself in or, like, had one of his family members, like, lock him into, like, a safe house or something. Yeah. It seems like after this... Yeah, I was about to say, like, after this, this, the events of this saga, like, it seems like a worthwhile investment for them to, like, build some sort of, like, vampire jail where, like, Mm -hmm. if there's a newborn coming through or something like that, like... They could have put, like, while they're trying to figure out what to do with them, they could put them in vampire jail. <laughs> is there anything strong enough for a vampire, like, actually? Because I feel I like they know. can just, they're stronger than all things. But Okay, hear me out. Like, okay. Weave together a bunch of other vampires. <laughs> Turn it into a fabric. But, <laughs> but like vampires can break up, other like, vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe, like, a solid metal. I don't know. 
But with Edward being incarcerated, he could just go to a normal human jail and have to keep up appearances. Like, yeah. pretend that he's yeah. weak enough to be in, in that jail. And Carlisle <laughs> would smuggle him chicken blood. I think the problem would be that he would become... I think he would return to his vigilante justice as soon as he was surrounded by people that were perhaps Ugh. violent or like predators, oh. you know? Yeah. It's like he You'd hates have to hear rapists. their thoughts. <laughs> he, he hates, hates them. <laughs> Edward hates rapists more than anyone in the world, actually, I would say. Especially especially us. I think um, yeah, I think he's very special. He's a special yeah. boy who deserves special uh gold stars for how much he hates rapists. <laughs> Especially, he hates it's, he hates rapists more than everyone, especially Rosalie. I think he goes <laughs> above and beyond, and it's not it's not the bare minimum. I think he deserves <laughs> credit. He's not like other men. <laughs> it truly reminds me of like men that I will encounter through like through like sexual violence training, and they yeah. they come and they just want to talk all the time about how they just. They're, they they had somebody who, like, they have someone in their lives who experienced sexual violence, so they just want to beat the shit out of the guy. And I'm like, what yeah. are you doing here? <laughs> like, I'm like, what, what, cool, is, what, is, what, is, what is, what good does telling me, like, yeah. <laughs> accomplish for you? Do you want a sticker? Because it, it feels like oh you do. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> you should get some to give out in those moments. I don't remember how we got to this point of the conversation. I don't either, but... <laughs> Um, oh, because, note because Charlie have... came in. Oh, right. <laughs> the first, like, real... Thunder <laughs> the... <laughs> forking after hours is gonna have to be cancelled. Yeah, this is... A... Um, I want a new loner now. It's just because I'm yeah. tired. <laughs> I think this is kind of like season one energy from, like, yeah. when we would <laughs> record all day. Yeah. <laughs> so or just honestly, or, like... like... This is like season one energy when we did the drunk episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. We need to do another one of those. They're so fun. I know. The first real note that I have for this chapter is that they get in the car. Okay, wait. No. I think we have to talk about them matching first. Yeah, they're matching. They're matching. Mm-hmm. I'll <laughs> never be over it. Heart I announce. Yeah, they're matching. We should be Edward um, and Bella for Halloween the next time that we're together. <laughs> Yeah. Person and we just wear matching khaki. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And people will think that we're the same person, but Yeah. Actually, two different characters. Who's who? We don't know. We don't know who Sam and Lori are either. No one knows. We have two pairs of two pairs of fangs. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, no, I'm Edward. No, I'm I'm Edward. (laughs) Beyond them matching, what is with this phenomenon? Edward keeps asking Bella to like put her seatbelt on and I didn't realize mm. it until this section when she's like fully ready to like reverse the car and Edward's like could you please put your seatbelt on and she puts her seatbelt on I'm like what's up with Bella not wearing her seatbelt like I've only known a select few people in my life that have been people that choose not to wear seatbelts and they huh. are not like, first of all, I don't understand it. Second of all, like, why doesn't Bella just get in the car and put her seatbelt on, like, what I would assume is, like, 99% of the population? I don't know. I never noticed before that. I just, I didn't even notice until now that she didn't, that she was ready to back up. She just That's kind of, so like, weird. rolls her eyes at him when he says it sometimes, too. And it's, like, in the movie, she's clearly in the process of putting her seatbelt on in one of the scenes where he's, like helping her put her seatbelt on. So it's like, it doesn't yeah. translate into the movie, but here it seems like 
he literally has to ask her to put her seatbelt on. And, like, the one person I have ever been in the car with who doesn't wear a seatbelt, I've been like, could you please put your fucking seatbelt on? I know. And they're like, no. Is it it the law in Washington State? Because in Maine, it's the law. Yeah, click it or ticket in Florida, but... I, I don't know about Washington. Let's look it up. This doesn't make sense to me because Charlie's a cop. She very clearly cares about traffic laws and so yeah. much that she's actually going under the speed limit in this section. It's really weird to me that she has this sort of like weird quirk. She's so clumsy, it seems like, and so accident prone. And she kind of accepts that about herself. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird that she would <laughs> wear a seatbelt. Yes, people do have to wear a seatbelt. I wonder when that came into effect. This is a stupid thing for me to look up, but I am doing it. 1989. Okay, so it's weird. And she came from Arizona. I assume they have similar laws and guidelines. It just seems so weird. Yeah, that is weird. I've never noticed that before. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think possibly the most toxic part of the Twilight Saga is Bella's refusal to wear a (laughs) seatbelt. I feel like some people reverse their cars and like pull out of their driveway and like buckle up while they're doing it or like do it while why would you do that i don't know i don't do that (laughs) i i have always does alex do that um no i don't think so i don't know people that sit in the front of the car and don't wear a seatbelt. my car screams yeah i know bella's truck is old so it like wouldn't Mm. but i guess what we're trying to say as a podcast is buckle up click it or ticket wear that seatbelt. don't be like bella be like edward <laughs> don't be like edward he's a bad driver <laughs> be uh be responsible be like us wear seatbelt <laughs> yeah they are going to the meadow on the 101 north <laughs> my favorite road in forks but yeah this totally you know contextualizes why he's being such a dick to her but it's obviously not an excuse <laughs> yeah he is still being ridiculous and he he really thinks that she's mad for some reason other than what he think like he his best guess is which is that he gives her this news that they're going to be hiking i'm not gonna go into this again because i know i've yelled about it before oh my god but they're gonna be hiking for five miles without a trail mm-hmm. and he's like what's wrong with her she seems like frustrated and i'm like she spent like first of all she put a lot of time into getting ready last night and yeah. like blow drying her hair and like picking her outfit and you mm-hmm. didn't give her any context and now she's hiking for five miles which is like an entirely different <laughs> kind of date different kind of date yeah he really doesn't understand how long that is he actually reflects on how he feels it's so short and in no time at all he's gonna yeah. have to reveal his bare arms or no in the sun his arms are already bare um yeah let's see let's actually review too. this Yes, this is a very slutty, slutty moment for them. (laughs) Her arms were bare to the shoulder. This was more of her than I was used to seeing. But despite the fascination that immediately sparked, (laughs) what I felt most was concern. Anything that interrupted my concentration was a danger. He he also says he slipped his own sweater off, feeling glaringly conspicuous. I never uncovered so much of my skin around anyone but my family noted <laughs> i wrote down every day i put on my white sleeveless button down and exposed my radiant vampire skin to my girlfriend <laughs> they have like this little conversation and it's like just these tiny questions but it's like kind of back to the feeling that we had in like the last section where it's just like bam 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 and we're just gonna ask questions 
asking yeah. about her favorite birthday cat or dog person i love the fish story i'm glad we get the fish story for real because i love that line in twilight about giving up on the institution of pets <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah i love it i love it here that she's so perplexed at killing three <laughs> three fish in a row also actually be- just before this I don't, just so i don't forget my my candidate for vampire therapy was he- this one passage here not for the first time in my life, I wish that I could make my brain slow down, force it to move at a human speed, if only for just a day, an hour, so I wouldn't have time to obsess over and over again about the same solutionless problems. Buddy, that is called anxiety. Um, it's called anxiety. And it's not a vampire thing, actually. It's yeah, uh, very uh, common and treatable through talk therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because it's like does he think that his other siblings are having the same phenomenon happen where their minds are racing at all hours like that's not a vampire thing clearly he even says about Emmett like his mind is like refreshingly empty like head empty no thoughts (laughs) yeah he can be with Emmett peacefully because Emmett has no thoughts (laughs) I felt I feel bad for this boy. Yeah, this is a little bit of an insight into Renee here. I found this was I found this really interesting because for I feel sure. like we have personally speculated a lot about Bella's insight into her own relationship with her mother and her own upbringing. And you know, Bella loves her mother so much, and we can kind of infer that like maybe Renee wasn't was like you know a flawed mother. <laughs> let's say that. But other yeah. times it's hard to tell through Bella's eyes whether or not like Bella actually needed to be taking care of everything like if yeah. those were things she was actually left to do and like if it was because you know Renee's a single mother or if it was because Renee was like flighty and like somewhat neglectful like it was kind of hard and Edward reflects here that and he doesn't like let it show at all but he's listening to um Bella talk about Renee and how Renee um didn't want to have a pet because she didn't want to be tied down into to any one place and Bella Bella feels like Bella was the one who was tying Renee down and Edward's thinking like that doesn't sound right basically (laughs) and for me I mean that could just be Edward's perspective but for me I feel like that's Stephanie Meyer like putting another nail in the coffin so to speak being like yes this like Renee was like a flawed parent and like it shouldn't have been like this but this is why bella is the way that she is yeah he reacts by saying he wishes that he could like wait on her hand and foot (laughs) (laughs) which is like a really weird thing to say but i guess he's just trying to say like i want her to feel like accommodated and not feel like she has to do everything Mm. or like feel like she's the like a burden or a barrier to Mm -hmm. someone and that's like I don't know. It's really interesting because he kind of does. Like, he doesn't have anything else to do. (laughs) Yeah. So in their whole relationship, he's just trying to, like, do whatever he can for her. Whether that be, like, replacing the stereo in the truck. And it's interesting because the way he interprets it as, as, like, something that probably she wouldn't interpret as, like, her being weighted on hand and foot. Like, I think it's a disconnect between love languages. Like, I don't know what hers would be, but... I think his is, like, doing everything. <laughs> All of them. His is definitely acts of, like, he wants to do acts of service. He's, like, treating her as if her, yeah. her love language is acts of service. Um, and also receiving gifts. And the gifts, yeah, which are, like, definitely probably her bottom two. Yeah, explicitly, like, she does not like receiving gifts, which is really interesting. 
I would say that the other three are probably way up there for her quality time, uh, physical, like, touch, whatever it is. Physical touch. Yeah. And, and physical words touch. of affirmation. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, words of affirmation and physical touch are where he struggles the most because he is always there. But, <laughs> yeah. but like, physical touch is something that she is clearly expressing wanting but unable to get from him mm-hmm. for a long, a long time. time. And words of affirmation... He's constantly skirting around telling her that she's beautiful or that he yeah. feels strongly about her. So, Or <laughs> when he does, it comes out in, like, defense of something that she said, where yes. she's like, yeah, I'm really, like, nothing, like, I'm nothing special. I don't understand why you like me. And he's like, how dare you say something like that? It's, like, never yeah. affirming and, like, positive. It's always, right. like, negative and in reaction to Accusatory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't love that for her. This was definitely one of Edward's more dramatic sections in general. Yeah. I understand why, but whatever. Um, I love this little <laughs> Persephone. I have no sympathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this little Persephone bit again. They arrive at the meadow. Bella walks in. He, like, gives this really beautiful description of Bella, like, being in the meadow. And that her fingers trailed over the taller flowers. And I was reminded again of Persephone, springtime personified. It's there. It's yeah. It cannot be more apparent this metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because when she first dropped the cover, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "I wonder how explicit it'll be in the book because like a lot of the book covers for Twilight and the the whole saga like they're not mm-hmm. super explicitly referenced in the book. Yeah, this one, it's true. It's like every chapter or every like section, it feels like there's something. Edward. I don't think we've commented on this yet, but I've thought it mm-hmm. the whole time. Edward never once considers that maybe knowing Bella, knowing her reactions to everything yes. horrific that he's trying to throw to her so far, he's never once considered that she's not going to be horrified by seeing him glitter in the sunlight. And this is the least offensive part of him. He's consistently underestimating how she'll react every time he has a new thing. He's like, oh, this is going to be the one. Yeah. And I don't understand, like, logically, I truly don't understand how her seeing him in the sun would is, be the worse, thing. is worse than him drinking blood. This is, like, probably the only thing that he's going to show her that's going to be, like, a positive, you know? Like, there's no, like, yeah, like, you're not human, but she knows that. She's into it, kind of, a lot. And, like, there's nothing about this that's that's going to be scarier like, have you, it, you're sparkling. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, it, it truly, it doesn't make sense. It, it's not scary. Like, it's objectively not scary. Well, he's so convinced that she's going to fucking hate it and scream and run away that he closes his eyes and, and steps into the meadow. And that's the end of the chapter. So we are going to be brought back. I mean, we already are in line with a Twilight chapter, but we are going to be properly in the meadow scene very exciting i've wanted this since i was 12 years old yeah this is the <laughs> this is the part that it always felt so criminal that the the draft left off before yeah this moment and so i'm so jazzed yeah that was a really short chapter but overall very dramatic but fun section especially chapter 15 loved that very much that's it yeah i think that's pretty much us it for us this week i was going to plug something that i bought from oh fun an etsy called <gasps> oh my gosh 
Uh, yellow submarine designs. Yellow sub designs or yellow. Yellow sub designs. Yellow yeah. sub designs on. Does Etsy. yours come? Mine hasn't come yet. Mine um, came today. Oh really? Yeah. She is making face masks out of Bella's bedspread fabric. I yeah. cannot believe. I'd... They're super cute. Yeah, and she listens to the podcast. She wrote me a sweet note. Aww. And also threw in a couple of free stickers. Aww. And one of them is one of them is so cute. I love them. I love them all, but the one that I really love is the Spotify code for Super oh, yes. Black Hole. Yes. I saw those. <laughs> so those exciting. are so cool. So clever. I'm so jazzed. So jazzed. excited. She's a really great Etsy store. It's a great place to buy merch. If you're looking to buy merch, support one of our yeah. listeners. Cool. Anything else that we should discuss? I think so. It's been a quiet um, couple of weeks in terms of Twilight news. It feels like maybe we won't get Twilight news for Years. maybe forever. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> well, this has been Gender Forking After Dark. Thanks so much for listening to our late night talk show. Whether you're listening at five in the morning or midnight. Uh, the two times. Yeah, the two times. Um, <laughs> hope you have enjoyed this very sleepy, silly podcast episode. <laughs> That's all for us. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. All of seasons one and two are now streaming. To stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @genderforking. For more Twilight content from us, follow us at bowlingshirtbellas at tumblr.com. For other inquiries, email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. If you would like to support the production and maintenance of this podcast, head to patreon.com slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from Oh Lucifer.